Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 27. The Bible says, And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. Now, you're going to see that word here in the next few minutes. You're going to see that word. And if you like to mark your Bible up, I want you to circle that word, place. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld. And lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And you may be seated tonight. We're going to go some other places than where we read tonight, but I want to just read that uh, to get into the message. And so let's talk about that word. And I want to concentrate on the word place tonight. Now, uh, this is just, this is not a flashy title. It's just the title of the Lord sort of laid on my heart. Uh, but I want to draw your attention to the word place, place. Uh, and again, we're going to read that several times tonight. And when you find that in your Bible, circle it and uh, jot a few notes down. And I hope it'll be a, I hope this will be a help to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to come back on this Sunday evening. And God, we just appreciate, uh, Lord, the great day that you've given us here at Calvary. Father, we thank you for those that have returned tonight. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you would bless them for their faithfulness. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd work through the live stream. I know we have folks that are uh, tuning in, folks are watching. And Lord, I pray that you would work through the live stream ministry this evening and minister there. Father, we pray now for, uh, Lord, that you would forgive us of anything in our lives that could even begin to be a hindrance to the Spirit of God working. And I pray, God, you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit And Lord, help me to say something that would be a help and encouragement, but most of all, Lord, something that's going to glorify the Savior. And uh, Lord, teach us tonight. I pray that you would touch us and help us. Father, we love you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, we pray, and for his sake, amen and amen. In Genesis chapter 19, we find the scripture referencing two men, and both of those men are mentioned as being in a specific place. Now, the thing I want to draw to your attention tonight is this, that these places where these men are had a huge impact on their individual lives. In fact, both of these men ended up going two different directions. Both of these men ended up being used in totally different ways. And a part of that was because of the place that they were in. Again, I want to draw your attention to the word place And by the time you leave here tonight, I hope that that word is sort of lodged in your mind tonight. One of these men was in a place where he needed to be. And that place was needful, and that place was helpful. Look with me in your Bibles, if you will, Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 27. The Bible says, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place, to the place where he stood before the Lord. By the way, if you read the book of Genesis, you'll find out that Abraham often went to that place. But he went to the place where he stood before the Lord. And so one was in a place where he needed to be, but I want you to understand that the other was in a place where he should not be. And a place that 
not only impacted his life, but it impacted his life in a negative way, and not only his life, but it impacted the lives of his family in a very negative way. Look, if you will, we didn't read this tonight, but look, if you will, at Genesis 19 and verse number 12. And the Bible says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, notice this, bring them out of this place, the Bible says. Look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Place. Again, both of these men were in a place. One was in a good place. The other was in a bad place. One was in a place that, that impacted his life and the lives of his family in a very great way. The other was in a place that impacted his life in a negative way and the lives of his family in a negative way. I believe this tonight. I believe that God provided every Christian some places. And those places ought to hold a great significance in our life. And it's important that we be faithful to those places. I want to see if I can illustrate the importance of that tonight. His name was John Frederick Parker. He was one of the original officers of the what was called the Metropolitan Police Department for Washington, D.C. It was just the, the police department had just been established in Washington, D.C., and he was one of the original police officers with these people. He had a very, what they called, undistinguished record. John Frederick Parker had been reprimanded several times for sleeping on the job, and also he had been caught drunk on duty. I'm not sure how this happened, but despite, uh, despite that checkered past, he was assigned to guard the booth of a very important man on April the 14th, 1865 at a place that I've been and some of you have been, a place called Ford's Theater. His name was Abraham Lincoln. And John Frederick Parker was assigned to guard the booth of President Abraham Lincoln. There was a play that was going on that night. It was called Our American Cousin and and the president and his wife uh, had attended. Interesting story. During the intermission of the play, Parker and several other men left the theater and went to a nearby tavern to get some drinks. And while they were away, another gentleman entered that theater. His name was John Wilkes Booth. And he went to that place where President Abraham Lincoln and his wife were seated and there was supposed to be a guard there and of course the guard was not there. The guard was down at a bar at a, at a tavern or a saloon and so there was nobody to stop John Frederick Parker from entering that place and you know the rest of the story. He took a gun and he ended the life of the President of the United States of America. It was a dark time in America they said that later Mary Lincoln, the president's wife, confronted John Parker and she blamed him for the death of her husband. And Parker's words were these, I did wrong, I admit. And he said, I have bitterly repented. Now, you say, Pastor, why'd you tell that story? Well, I read that story and I, and I thought about it. I thought, man, that goes right along with what I'm preaching tonight. John Parker failed to be in the place where he knew he should have been. 
And because he wasn't in the place where he was supposed to be, tragedy came. And boy, how true that is tonight. A lot of homes are filled with tragedy. I'm not preaching something you don't know. You, you know this tonight. A lot of homes are filled with tragedy and heartache. A lot of lives are, a lot of people are living in defeat and, and tribulation. And it seems like they're in constant turmoil. And, uh, and, and my dear friend, to a large extent, it's because they're not in the place that they ought to be. It's not because of something. Did, did you know the Christian life is really not that deep? Uh, it's not because they're not lucky. It's not because they're not spiritual like you necessarily. It's not because they don't have access to the Bible or access to preaching or access to a prayer life like you do. It's just, it comes down to one simple conclusion. They're not in the place they need to be. And my friend, when we are not faithful to the places that God has put in our lives, a lot of times it heads to tragedy. In fact, there are some people, to be quite honest, they're in a dark place tonight. I mentioned this in our Sunday school class this morning. The other day, we were in Los Angeles, and, and uh, the kids said, Dad, anything, anything you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like, to go, I'd like to go to the spot where they had the 1949 Billy Graham crusade where the 350,000 people attended and uh, over 3,000 were saved. And I said, I'd like to find that spot. And so sure enough, man, we tore off for uh, Los Angeles and, uh, and found the spot. I, I told about that this morning in class and I won't take, take the time to do that tonight. But, but after we got done and it was just about dark, uh, Zach, we got back in the, in the car and, and Zach said, dad, let me, let me take you somewhere else. He said, let me take you to Skid Row. And so uh, we took off and started heading toward what they call in Los Angeles Skid Row. And I'm going to be honest, it was, it, it was like nothing I've ever seen. It really felt like there should have been a, a customs gate or a border patrol or somebody should have been looking at our passport. It looked like we passed from America to a third world country. And as we passed by those people that were living in tents and, and some not even living in tents, some just lying on the sidewalk and, uh, and uh, uh, you could tell their lives were shattered and their minds were, uh, were all to pieces. And uh, listen, did you know that to an extent, part of the problem is this, that, that somewhere along the line, those people got in a place they never should have been and they did not get into the place that God wanted them to be. Second Peter chapter one, verse 19 says it like this. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. A lot of people are in a dark place tonight because they're not in the place they need to be. Now, that's, that's about as simple preaching as you're ever gonna get. But I'm telling you, uh, as, as simple as that is, if we're not careful, we'll miss that. We'll miss, it is so simple that we'll miss the importance of what I'm preaching tonight, every Christian ought to have some places that you're faithful to. Can I give you three of them quickly tonight that the Lord laid on my heart? And we'll make this very, very quick and very simple tonight. The first one is what I'm gonna call the dwelling place. Hey, would you take your Bibles and turn over to Psalm 52? Psalm 52 and verse number five. And notice what our Bible says. Psalm chapter 52, verse number five, some places that every Christian ought to be faithful 
two. Psalm 52 and verse number five. The Bible says, God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away, notice this, and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place. God said, I'm gonna pluck you out of your dwelling place. You've not done what you're supposed to do. And, and as a judgment, I'm gonna take you out of your dwelling place. Did you know that every person ought to have a dwelling place? I'm talking about a home. I'm talking about a family. And you know what? You ought to be faithful to it. You ought to be faithful to your dwelling place. Man, oh man, I'm so thankful for my dwelling place. Now, my kids are all gone now. All the kids are grown and we're empty nesters, but I'm, I'm still thankful I have a dwelling place. And I'm glad that, that, that my wife and I prepared for that day. We prepared for the day that our kids would be married and they'd be gone. And, and uh, years ago, we gave them to the Lord uh, God gave them to us, and, and uh, years later, we gave them back to God, and some of them are close, and others are far, and, uh, but I'm glad that I have a dwelling place, and we notice that the Bible places great emphasis upon the dwelling place. I'm talking about the home. Let me say a few things. The dwelling place ought to be a secure place. First Timothy 5, 8, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and his worse than an infidel. Proverbs 31, 15 says it like this. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and portion and a portion to her maidens. Proverbs 31, 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Listen, church, this is simple. But make your dwelling place a place where your family feels safe and a place where your family feels secure Man, make sure your, your dwelling place is not turbulent and topsy-turvy. Uh, it shouldn't be a place of constant fussing. I preached a message been many, many, many years ago, and I said that more homes are like hell than they are like heaven. And there, there's a lot of truth in there. There's screaming in hell. A lot of homes, that's all they have, screaming. There's crying in hell. A lot of homes, all they have is crying. There's turbulence and turmoil in hell. That's all a lot of homes have is, is darkness and turbulence. And yet how many know that our homes ought to be more like heaven than they are like hell? And so make sure that your dwelling place is a secure place. But I wrote this down. The dwelling place ought to be a settled place. Titus 2 verse 5, directed to the ladies, says it like this, that the ladies are to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Hey, ladies, make sure your home is kept. Now, now I, by that, I just mean this. Make sure, it's, make sure it's not all to pieces. Make sure it's arranged. Now, one, one person's definition of cleanliness is different than the other person's cleanliness, and I, I get that. But make sure your home is clean. Make sure your home is inviting. Make sure that you're not, you know, ashamed to invite somebody over to your house. And so your dwelling place ought to be secure. Your dwelling place ought to be settled, but this is the one I wanted to get to. Your dwelling place ought to be a spiritual place. Now take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Deuteronomy with me tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number six, back toward the front, the front of your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter number six, it should be secure, it should be settled, and our homes ought to be spiritual. They ought to be spiritual. Look at Deuteronomy chapter six and verse number six. The Bible says, 
And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse seven. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Look at verse nine. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. What's the Bible saying? The Bible's saying that there ought to be a spiritual climate in our home. You know what Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse number 15? And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And Joshua made that famous remark where he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, listen to me. Make sure that you take time for your dwelling place. Make sure it's settled. Make sure it's secure. Make sure it's spiritual. And I, I didn't know whether to put this in the outline or not, but I think it's true. You know, I'm, I'm really afraid our kids, I'm afraid our kids know more about Marvel characters than they do about the Marvel of Christ. They know who Superman is, they know who, and I don't, and, and I don't know all these uh, uh, characters, but they know all these different characters, and yet they don't know who Timothy is, they don't know who Paul is, don't know who James is. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying this. Listen, we, it, is, it is imperative that we take time for our homes and make sure that our dwelling places are, are places that are safe and secure and places where we bring our families up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, take time for a family altar. Take time to teach your children. Take time to teach your grandchildren the ways of the Lord. When our kids were young, man, we were, we were busy, busy, busy. But we took a lot of time for family, a lot of time for family. You've heard me talk about that. We, we took a lot of time for family. We, we always wanted to make sure that our dwelling place was a place that our kids wanted to be. And uh, we didn't let our kids, you know, I'm not preaching against this tonight necessarily, but I would say this, you better be careful. We didn't let, we didn't let our kids do a lot of sleepovers. And I would just caution you. You better be pretty careful about letting yours do sleepovers. And we, but we didn't want to deprive our kids. We will try to make home really fun. And, uh, and uh, so we, we made sure the kids had swing sets and trampolines and, and four-wheelers. And we just, you know what? We, we didn't necessarily want them to go to their friend's house. We wanted their friends to come over to our house because we knew what we were going to be doing at our house. I didn't know what they were going to be watching over there, but I knew what we were going to be watching at our house. Amen. Can I get an amen right there? And, uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we took time for the home. Listen to me. This is all I'm saying. Take time for your dwelling place. Make sure that your home is right. Make sure your home is secure. You know, there are so many people who the, the, the home is really just an afterthought. They work. They've got hobbies. They've got all, the, all these things they're doing, and they're hardly ever home. Man, I don't know about y'all, but boy, I like being home. I enjoy being home. I'm a homebody more than I've ever been, I think. And I just, I love being home. Listen, be faithful to your dwelling place. But there's another, there's another one I want to give you tonight. Not only the dwelling place, but I'm going to call this the one place. Then you say, Pastor, what is that? Well, let me show you what that is. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 20. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 20. 
Again, we're talking about places tonight. 1 Corinthians 11, verse number 20, the Bible says, when you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says it like this. If, the, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and so this one place that I'm referring to is the house of God. It's the church. Well, that's a place you ought to be faithful to. It's the church. Oh, listen, we ought to make a big deal out of the dwelling place, but we ought to make a big deal out of this place right here and be faithful to the house of God. I'm telling you what, man, the church is so important. I wrote this down. The one place ought to be attended. It ought never be forsaken. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, again, I get it. We're in vacation time. I understand that. And I'm not preaching against you taking a vacation, although I wish every single family wouldn't take a vacation on the same Sunday. But anyway, anyway, I'm not against you taking a vacation. You need some rest. And sometimes you gotta come apart or you'll come apart. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And I understand sometimes you're providentially hindered. I, I, I know sometimes you get you have a fever and sometimes you're sick and sometimes you can't come. And I wanna tell you something, Calvary. You know what, if you're not on vacation and you're not providentially hindered, you don't have a fever, listen, make sure you're in the house of God every time the doors are open and don't let anything, don't let anything keep you away from the house of God. Now I'm telling you, I know that's simple preaching, but we could save a lot of people a lot of heartache and a lot of turmoil if they just be here when they're supposed to be here. Man, just come. You say, well, I come, but it doesn't help. It helps more than you think it helps. And if you don't watch it, you know what will happen? God will use this place to change your life. And so this one place ought to be attended. Now I wrote this down. This one place ought to be adored. It ought to be adored. You know what the psalmist said in Psalm 122 verse one? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 26, eight, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place for thine honor dwelleth. How many know this? That a lot of people just endure church instead of enjoying church. And you know, I would say to those, maybe somebody's watching by way of live stream tonight, and they say, preacher, that's me. Man, I just endure. I'm enduring. You know what? You know what that means? Maybe it's time for you to find another church. I mean, if you're just, I mean, if you're just barely making it, you just endure Sunday morning and endure Sunday night if they have one or endure Wednesday night if they have one. Maybe it's time to find a church where there's some life and where there's some breath and where God is working and the spirit of God is evident. And why? Because the house of God ought to be a place that's adored. And so be faithful to the dwelling place. Be faithful to this one place, the house of God. But we're done tonight. But I want you to really hear me out on this last one because it's an important one. That third place is called the secret place. Now I want you to turn over with me, if you would, the book of Psalms, Psalm 91 and verse number one tonight. Psalm 91 and verse number one. Notice what the psalmist says. I love this. Psalm 91, verse number one. The psalmist said, he that dwelleth, in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. By the way, church, that's a promise of God right there. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hey, can you turn back a few pages to Psalm 32? Can I show you how the psalmist referred to it in Psalm 32? Psalm 32, verse number seven. Look what the psalmist said. Psalm 32, verse number seven. The psalmist said there, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Thou art my hiding place. I thought about that, hiding place. Well, you can't hardly say the word hiding place without thinking about Corey Ten Boom. And I, when I read that, I thought, Corey Ten Boom. Uh, Corey Ten Boom had, had a book that was written about her. She was, uh, uh, her family, I think, were Dutch. I believe that's right. They were living over uh, when uh, World War II broke out and uh, Hitler began to, uh, uh, started the genocide of the Jewish people. And, uh, and Corey Ten Boom's family had a hiding place. And they would bring these Jewish people in and they had a little place that they would put them and they would hide them from the Nazis to try to save their life alive. There was safety in that little hiding place. And boy, I thought about that, man, how fitting that is. Every Christian ought to have a hiding place like that. Every Christian ought to have a secret place. And Christ was the ultimate example concerning the importance of the secret place in fact, in the most turbulent times of Jesus' life, we find him in that quiet place. Luke 5, verse 15, the Bible says, but so much the more went their fame or brought to him, and great, great multitudes came together to hear to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Mark 1, 35 says it like this, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there prayed. Matthew 26, 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he, Jesus, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ knew the importance of the secret place. And, church, I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to make it in this day and time in which we're living, you better have a secret place. Thank God for the dwelling place. That's a priority. Thank God for this one place. But you better have a secret place. By the way, can I ask you this? Where is your quiet place? Where is your quiet place? You say, preacher, what, what, what are you talking about, my, my quiet place? Where is that place where you get alone with the Lord? Just you and Jesus. And, and talk to the Lord and let the Lord talk to you. And Dio Moody said that when we read the Bible, it's God speaking to us. And we, when we pray, it's us speaking to God. And we need to do most, most of the listening. Uh, Billy Sunday said, if you'll spend 15 minutes in the Bible and 15 minutes in prayer and 15 minutes trying to share the gospel, you'll be a good Christian. Man, just every day, find a place. Now you say, Pastor, uh, 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 what are you talking about? Listen, yours might be a closet. Yours might be a patio. Yours might be a back porch. Yours might be a vehicle that, that you get in and just drive and pray. 
Yours might be a, a trail through the woods somewhere, but I'm just saying this. You need to have a place where every single day you get alone with God and spend time with God and talk to God. And listen, when's the last time? When's the last time that you got alone with the Savior and just said, I love you? And when's the last time you let him love on you a little bit? We say, preacher, I do that when I come to church. Well, praise the Lord, I'm glad you're coming to church, but I'm not talking about the one place. I'm talking about a secret place where you walk with God and God walks with you. How many know this? How many know this? You can accomplish things in the secret place that you can't accomplish any other way. Now, there's a lot of truth to that. You can accomplish things in the secret place that you can't accomplish any other way. You said, Pastor, I got such a burden. My heart is so heavy. Hey, get you a secret place. Did you know he's the great burden bearer? You say, Preacher, we've got some kids and they are so far from God and we're so burdened about our children. Hey, get in your secret place and talk to Jesus about it. You say, Pastor, man, there's something going on right now. We've got some bills we can't pay and, and we don't know what, what we're gonna do. Hey, get in your secret place. And talk to the Lord and tell the Lord. By the way, tell the Lord exactly what you need. Talk to him specifically. Tell him specifically what you need. Lord, we've got this bill and this is the bill and this is how much it is. And Lord, this is when it's due. And Lord, I need you to do great things. And get in that secret place. And you can do things in that secret place you can't do any other way. You can close your Bibles, we're done. It was my privilege before he died, to spend just a little bit of time with Mays Jackson. Brother Mays, the truck driver special. Y'all remember that? You older folks remember. You younger, young folks don't know what I'm talking about. Mays Jackson was a great evangelist. He would come to our church, and after he would, and Brother Mays was a big guy, and he would uh, preach, and he would just sweat. After the service, my wife and I would always get his shirt, and we'd take his shirt home and wash it for him. My wife would press it. We'd bring it back the next day. Brother Mays told this story. He was a young, young man. He had enrolled in NC State. And he said that uh, he went to this class and the professor stood up in front of the class and told the young people, he said, uh, in the next few weeks, he said, I'm gonna prove to you that there is no God. There is no God. I'm gonna prove beyond a shadow of a doubt there is no God. And boy, he just dove in on that and just tried to start spreading that propaganda around the class. Brother Mays was just a young guy. He's in the back of the class. He raised his hand. And the professor said, Mr. Jackson, do you have a question? He said, yes, sir, I have a question. You said there is no God. He said, that's right, there is no God. And Mays Jackson said, here's my question. If there is no God, where did them biscuits come from? And he said, excuse me. And he said, you said there is no God. That's right. And he said, if there's no God, where'd those biscuits come from? And that professor uh, was a little bit disgruntled. And he said, what in the world are you talking about? And he said, we grew up, said we grew up on the rough side. And 
He said there were times we didn't have a whole lot to do with. And he said there were some times when we didn't know where our next meal was going to come from. And he said there were several of us. And he said we'd be playing out in the backyard. And he said I'd see my little mama come out the screen door. And I'd hear that screen door hit. And, and she'd go out to a little building out there, a little woodshed type building. And, and he said I'd watch mama go in there. And I, that door would lock. And he said she'd be in there for 30 or 45 minutes or an hour. A little bit later, he said she'd come out and she'd have tear-stained cheeks and swollen eyes and wiping the tears. And Brother May said, it wouldn't be very long. He said, somebody pulled down our driveway. And he said, they'd get out of the car and said, hello, Miss Jackson. God laid you on our heart. And we know you have all these mouths to feed and we had a big giant meal. We couldn't eat it all. We just thought maybe you want some of this fried chicken right here and we've got some fried okra right over here and uh, we've got some green beans and oh yeah, we got these big giant cat head biscuits. And Brother May said, we just eat and eat and he said, Mr. Professor, if there's not a God, where'd those biscuits come from? And I want to tell you something, church. There is a God. And if you need something, can I encourage you to go to that secret place? Both of these men were in a place. For Abraham, it influenced him in a great, great way. For Lot, you know the story, influenced him in a terrible way. The dwelling place, this one place, and the secret place. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'll take this simple, simple message. And God, I pray that you'll use it in our lives. Father, help us to to build God-fearing homes, Jesus-loving homes. Father, help our homes to be more like heaven than they are like hell. Father, we thank you for our dwelling place. But then, Lord, we thank you for this one place. Father, I'm so thankful for my church. I'm so thankful for my church family. Lord, I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. But then, Lord, I'm very, very thankful for the secret place. Lord, a long, long time ago, the secret place is what changed my life. Father, if there are those here tonight and one of these places they need to work on, maybe it's the home, maybe it's their faithfulness to the house of God, maybe somebody's watching by way of live stream tonight and they've not been faithful like they ought to be. Father, I pray tonight, oh God, I pray tonight that you'd help them to say tonight's going to change. I'm going to be faithful to the house of the Lord. And then, Lord, would you help us to be faithful to the secret place, that hiding place where day in and day out we walk with God. Lord, I pray you'd have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name.